When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on the earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he warned his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Christ. And um, the two things I really want to draw out from this is the question, who do you say that I am? And also that this is something that's revealed not by man, but by God himself. And um, yeah, I'm just going to flag those things as we, um, as we start. Thanks, Josh. Um, if we could just go back to beginning. So I'm um, just going to tie this in a little bit with what we talked about last week at um, Sanctuary. And we looked at a verse just before the story of the prodigal son. It's actually the beginning of Luke 15, where Jesus says, um, well, sorry, it's not Jesus says it. It's the beginning of Luke 15. It says, now the tax collectors and notorious and especially wicked sinners were all coming near to Jesus to listen to him. And then it basically goes on to say that the Pharisees were getting riled and frustrated and complaining. Whoa. <laughs> there we go. Um, <laughs> good morning. Um, thank you. Thank you kindly. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. <laughs> um, great. Oh, sorry, we're good. We'll go with that. Thank you. Um, and what we talked about last week was that there was something about Jesus that was quite extraordinary and also, I think, has slightly uncomfortable implications for all of us today in that the people that most gravitated to Jesus were actually the most wicked people, which is, like, crazy. But it, it really has implications for us. And for me, there's questions that that brings up where, um, like we should be seeing the same today. And again, this is not in any way like a criticism of church, but I just, like, honestly, do we see that at church? That's my question. Do we see that the people who are coming the nearest are the most wicked? And sometimes we do, but a lot of the time I'm not sure that we do. And so that got me asking, like, what was it about Jesus that caused this to happen? And how can we learn from that? How can we recreate this culture that Jesus seemed to live in the whole of the time where most of the people that we encounter coming so close to him in the Gospels were your Marys, like they were the prostitutes, they were the tax collectors, they were the despised. And how do we, if we're going um, to, like what sanctuary is going to be, if that's going to be a safe place for people who've normally felt so far from God, how is it that we learn to do that? And what is it about the way Jesus lived in that culture that we can start to recreate here? And um, the main 
See, if we could just, Josh, I think there's a, a single sentence that we talked about just to summarize how Jesus lived there. Yeah, that's amazing, so thank you. Um, we finished just by saying this last week. Jesus' culture was all about creating something, not for those who already were, but for those who weren't yet. And for me, there's a real tie-in with this same question we're looking at today, where Jesus says, yeah, but who do you say I am? And he says that it comes from God, not from man. Because when we create from who man says God is, and who through the generations we've said Jesus is, there's, again, there's nothing wrong with that. But what we often do, I think, is we recreate what we've always known. And there's something about bringing those spiritual walls down that say this is our safe place that we know and we're all going to huddle here. But if you're not like us, then you're not going to want to come. There's something about the way Jesus lived that was so opposite to that, where what he said was actually, yeah, but what about you? Like, who do you say I am? And he encouraged people to go on a personal journey of encountering God the Father for themselves. And it was in that place that the whole establishment got turned upside down. And it was the Pharisees that got annoyed because they were like, well, this thing we've been building, it's, it's falling apart because all the people who shouldn't be coming are wanting to come. And they were the ones who then didn't come. And I guess my heart for what I feel God's calling us to learn how to do here over the next few years is to really work out how we do that, how we do church for the people of this generation who, and when I say this generation, I guess I just mean this season in time and perhaps a generation who came to the conclusion that actually they couldn't be themselves and be a part of church for a number of them. And, um, yeah, I'd just love to think a little bit about um, perhaps what some of the the keys and some of the things that really help us to do that. And um, if we just flick on, Josh, to the next um, couple of slides, I think we'll just, uh, yeah, so we looked, we looked last week again, um, just to fill in on the journey, um, there's a really powerful video that Tear Fund have produced, which we're not going to watch, please know, because we've seen it so many times, but I really recommend watching it. And it's, it's very good use of three and a half minutes. Okay, that's great. We've got pictures, but not the actual thing. So there's a video that Tear Fund have done, and it's called What is Poverty? And it talks about how poverty is a product of us living lives separated from one another. So it talks about poverty in the language of walls. And it uses this beautiful picture, which is so simple, where it says, if you put two people together in a room, one of them had a bowl of food, and one of them didn't have a bowl of food, the chances are that they'd both get fed because humans see each other and they know each other, and there's natural, there's something there. And so they both get fed. But what happens is when there's a wall between the two of them, one of them's got a bowl of food, and one of them hasn't got a bowl of food, and so they just don't know, and so one of them goes hungry, and one of them's being fed. And I want us to think about this in terms of what does it look like to build church and to do life with people who don't have any spiritual food. They're not used to having spiritual food. They've got an empty bowl, and there's a wall between them and what we get fed and get fat on. Like, how do we bring that wall down, and how do we actually create something that works for everyone. And um, this video just, yeah, it, it, um, it poses some really great, great questions. Um, and yeah, I guess if it's all right, I'm just gonna share like a couple of quite practical 
things that I think might help to do that. And that's going to be some of the stuff that's almost going to be a real kind of part of our DNA about what we do and kind of how we do it. But I also then just want to share something quite personally about how I think each of us can really live our own lives without some of those walls in our relationship with God and in our relationship um, uh, just with him 24-7. But to start with this, I think um, I'm just going to throw this stuff out there as a real, uh, just to see if any of it sticks. But I guess there's two things, I think, with what we're going to try. Um, sorry, Josh, actually, that's, um, that's going to come later now. So, one of the ways that I'm really passionate about us trying to do church without walls is that instead of our main activity being inside church, where we basically like meet together to do the God stuff, and that's the main place that we live, is what does it look like for us to actually do? the things in life that a lot of other people are doing all the time and create space where we will be doing that stuff and other people will be doing that stuff too. And it's not necessarily with a specified motive or end goal. So we're not saying we're going to go out and do um, this thing with the motive that you will then come to us and learn what we already know. But actually, what does it look like? Uh, Josh, do we have the picture of Jesus with Zacchaeus in the tree, perhaps? <laughs> Great. Okay, so what does it look like for us to find communally this space where actually we just interact with people who wouldn't, who are foreign to church culture or foreign to going to church? And um, so the three things we're going to start to do, and this will probably, I think, take probably a year or so to get off the ground, but I'm really excited about once that happens, where we can start to go. We're going to um, look at the areas of uh, sport and fitness stuff, um, arts, like creativity, culture, that kind of thing, and also just God's heart for transforming this world. So stuff like charities, um, social justice, all of that thing. And those are going to be our three kind of ballparks. And what I really want us to learn how to do is to basically uh, occupy this space where the dream is that like half the people who will be there would people who know Jesus and go to church but half the people who will be there just won't but it's part of their normal life and they'll be doing stuff they do so we're going to start to try and grow those things and that for me is part of the like what how do we do this church without walls um, but the second thing is almost the kind of like is the how we do it um, and that stuff is I think that's more of this kind of culture thing and the thing we were saying last week is that actually there's sometimes a sacrifice to creating something for the people who aren't already there because when you're familiar with stuff it's not like people are kind of aware that they create their own culture but what happens is you have your own language you do your own stuff because that's what you do it happens very natural it's like the way humans function um, but quite often you find that the people who've been on the journey for a while feel really familiar with it, and people who are outside feel like you're, there's an us and there's a them, and it just doesn't quite match. And so my question is, how do we build stories and build a journey and essentially communicate this in a way that's not going to cause people who come in from outside to have to play catch-up? Does that make sense? And one of the ways I think this happens is that God is faithful to communicate his purposes and his heart to each generation. I really believe that, and there's a number of places you can see that in the scriptures. So we've talked about um, 
It's a bit where it says when David had served God's purposes in his generation, this belief that God has purposes in each generation. The thing Bethan was saying today actually as well really fits with that in terms of um, Paul, when he was speaking to people, said even your own poets had said. And it's this thing of basically culturally, how do we communicate with people in a way that's trying to um, be really familiar with uh, their language and popular culture language as much as it is building like um, Christian narratives. And again, not that there's anything wrong with those things, but I think what happens is often people see that stuff and think, oh wait, that's just not me. And without actually having encountered Jesus, they'll basically come to the conclusion that it's not for them because it's not stuff that they've known or they're familiar with. So, um, so I don't know what's happened to some of these uh, things that have gone a bit mental, but that's fine. Um, so we're going to try and work out how to build some of our stories, not around what we've known, um, but things that others already know. So for me, some of the go-to places is stuff like films. Whoever has not seen a film and just found themselves weeping, <laughs> or, you know, like, we, we encounter truth in films, and God is in that truth because the Holy Spirit reveals truth. And so how do we start to take some of these narratives, even things in advertising, like um, one of the things that's really going to mark out what we do is this idea of being unique but being together. And that's a straight steal from um, be together, not the same, that Android thing, which, again, there's so much like kingdom value in that. But it's often, I think, people latch onto things that are from God and are true, and they get communicated into popular space. And actually, as we begin to partner our stories of what's in the Bible with these things, I think suddenly some of those walls that can separate church from the rest of culture and community can start to come down. Does that make sense? So, so that's like, that's some of the really kind of practical stuff that um, we're going to try and do. But <laughs> coming back to like a real personal, um, how does this actually work out? Uh, there's a really wonderful story, which I'm just going to read which I heard when I was about like 20. It's the story of a guy called Brushko. Has anyone heard of this? Um, so Brushko is basically, he was a guy called Bruce Olson uh, from the US of A. And he decided at age 19 he wanted to be a missionary and he wanted to go to some of the tribes. Um, I think it was kind of Uruguay and Venezuela, if those borders match, is that right? Anyway, some tribes, <laughs> in um, South America that were very hidden away and it essentially, they'd not only never like heard about Jesus, but they'd never actually really had outsiders come and visit them. And at the age of 19, which is very young, he basically goes, um, he initially gets trained by all of the missionaries there and he said what he saw happened was like people were trying to teach these guys from a completely different culture to basically sing Western songs wear Western clothes, and essentially it communicated that Jesus is like us, and if you want to know Jesus, then you're going to become like us. And um, he shares this beautiful story of how he basically, over a long period of time, like it took years and years and years, he befriended this tribe to the point that um, like, they accepted him as one of their own. But the thing that is really wonderful is the way that this Motalone tribe is what they're called. One of them encounters Jesus for the first time. And um, I'm going to just share a little bit about how that process happened. So, um, eventually after years of hardship, Brushko was accepted by this tribe and he learned that at the heart of their beliefs was a profound sense of lostness and hopelessness. Expressed in a legend, 
that the Motalones had once followed a false prophet who'd led them away from God, and now there was no way back and no one to protect them where the evil, when the evil spirits came. Another tribal legend told of a man who had become an ant. This is really interesting. He'd been watching some ants trying to build a home, and he wanted to help them. But when he began to dig in the earth, he frightened the ants, and they ran away. So he himself became an ant, lived with them, and they came to trust him. So he explained what he'd been trying to do. Using this ancient legend, Bruce began to explain the incarnation to the, to, to the tribe. I'm actually sorry, to his friend Bobby. And it was at this moment that Bobby began to encounter Jesus because for the first time when he understood this story of the ant, um, this man becoming an ant so that he could be like the ants, which was a story he'd grown up with and known. When he heard that for the first time, he was like, oh, I get this Jesus guy you're talking about. And um, this is what Bobby shouted. It's, it, it, it's, it, it's pretty special. He goes, um, Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Um, and he says, Bobby shouted it, so it filtered far off into the jungle. He has walked our trails. I've met him. Bobby, uh, Brushko says, from that day, our friendship was enhanced by our love for Jesus. We talked constantly about him, and Bobby asked me many questions. But Bobby never asked the color of Jesus' hair or whether he had blue eyes. To Bobby, the answers were obvious. Jesus had dark skin, and his eyes were black. He wore a G-string and hunted with bows and arrows. Jesus was a motelone. And um, something in that that's so special, my question is how do we do that for here? Like, and how do we do that? Like, uh, particularly for me, there's, there's, there's a, it's the creative industries that we see particularly planted here in Hoxton, um, that creative mind, the advertising world, all of those things it's like who is jesus to these guys and what does it look like for them to encounter him and then suddenly be like you know there jesus wears a g-string and he that's who he is and that that's like the passage we looked at the beginning jesus says to peter who do you say that i am and that's the thing for me that like we want to be asking and it's in that place that jesus says it's on that that i will build my church when we know who he is that he will build his church and so um yeah that's pretty much that's what i just want to encourage us with today and um the the final thing i just wanted to share um was just i know for a few of us heading off to university and things there's real like um it's just a lot of change and i was praying a bit about what actually um almost like really practical things that I just felt God wanted to encourage all of us with as we go into a time when we're going to be facing a lot of change. And there were, um, there were two things. Uh, Josh, if he's right, to f- I think it's maybe says two ingredients somewhere. Yeah, okay, so this was, this was just what I felt um, God wanted us to kind of take away. And I think for a few people here, we'll be heading off to other cities and to university, and it's quite a bit of change. And I, I just felt... Uh, I'd almost encourage you to write these two things down because I just, this was stuff I felt God wanted us to kind of carry out. But the first thing was that as we go, um, grace doesn't depend on us and how we're doing. It depends on Jesus. And he gives us like a banner as we go, which is unconditional love. And I think um, when we're going off to new places and like... um, as we're really stepping out into 
discovering a lot of our own identity, there is for me the most, the thing God gives us as a father to carry with us is this like, is knowing that whatever happens, there is unconditional love that goes with us. And by that, I mean when we've made mistakes, when we've done stuff where we think, I wish I'd not done that, he never ever separates from us. And for me, as we go to new places, one of the biggest things that the devil will try and get us to do is to believe that we have done something that separates us from God. And I just felt God wanted to encourage us by saying, that's not possible with Jesus. Because at any point that you come back to me, it, I'm, always, I'm always there. And um, the second thing was just an extension of uh, who do you say I am is basically where is Jesus for you? And again, for people going off to university, for people going to uh, new chapters and starting things in life, I just felt Jesus wanted to say stuff like, wherever you are, whether you're um, out in a club at two in the morning, when you're doing your uh, assignments, when you're writing at your desk, like when you're meeting people for the first time, in each of those places, it's not just who do you say I am, but it's like, do you acknowledge that I'm right here with you now? <laughs> and as we know him in all of those places, the walls in our relationship with God just begin to dismantle. And I also think that's going to be a real key to other people encountering God in the whole of their life because they see people who are connected to God 24-7. Um, and so, yeah, that's a slightly um, kind of specific tangent, but I just really wanted to encourage um, a couple of people with that. So I'm just going to pray for us, and then um, we'll, we'll go from there. We'll finish up. Um, Father, thank you that um, you sent your son to tear that curtain in two so that there would no longer be a separation between um, God and mankind. And Jesus, I thank you that that is all done through what you did. And um, you just ask us to really depend on you. And Father, I pray that you would again create in us and stir in us a hunger to to be like you, um, but more than that, to just to know you, to really know you. As we know you as a friend, you transform us. And Holy Spirit, we pray that um, people here over the next year would, Lord, would each of us go on a journey of more and more answering that question very intimately of who do you say that I am? we would be able to say to you, Jesus, this is who you are to me. This is who you've been to me. This is who I know you to be. And Lord, I thank you that in that place, um, you build your church. And Lord, would you continue to welcome here um, those who are the furthest off, the people who would have thought themselves the least likely to turn up to church on a Sunday, Lord. Thank you that you've already been doing that. Um, but Lord, we pray for more of that, Lord. And we thank you that your heart is not for the established. But it's, it's always, Lord, to leave the 99 and to go for the one. And again, we ask that you'll teach us what that looks like for us in each of our lives. Amen.
Amen. And um, I think if it's all right to finish up, what I'd love us to do, um, Josh, is it all right to put that that tune on? Um, there's just a song. It's just like a, it's just an instrumental song, and I heard it this week, and I thought it was. Um, I just felt a lot of the presence of God on it, so I thought it'd be amazing just for us to finish up, just um, in our own space and in our own time, just giving our lives uh, over to God, just whatever it is that He stirred in us, whatever it is that we want to say, Lord, I want to know You in this place. I want to know You in this way, just to really um, to do that with Him. Let's do that together. And if you want to pray for someone with you, you're welcome to do that. But we'll just um, finish by really. Uh, um, coming back to the Father and um, committing what's ahead to him.